thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Help Scout, an easier, more powerful way to support your customers. Simple to start, powerful at scale, and proven to build better customer relationships. More than 12,000 businesses trust Help Scout as the backbone of their support team. Voted best ROI by customers on G2. Get your extended 30-day free trial at helpscout.com backslash 30. Tell them CXC sent you. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I wanted to take a minute to call out some of the things that we're working on here at CXE today. Number one, CX scorecards. Take a minute to see how your team and your business is performing across the four CX pillars. Number two, CX boot camps. If you need somebody in your company, or if you need one of your CX and CS leaders to get some additional training, coaching, and fractional CXO support, ask us about our CX boot camps. We do a full deep dive with live coaching with your team to run through all the facets of the CX and the CS land. And number three, CX accelerators. We have been privileged to work with some incredible companies across the world, helping them build their CX and CS roadmap for success as they scale their business and as they scale their team. Do not hesitate to reach out to CX Chronicles today to ask us how we can help make customer happiness a habit within your business. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited. We have Nick Francis, founder and CEO of Help Scout, joining us today. Nick, say hello to the CX Nation, my friend. Hello, CX Nation. So, guys, Nick has got a super cool story. Uh, many of you are probably very familiar with Help Scout and all the awesome work that they've done over the years to improve the customer experience, customer success space. Um, Nick, why don't you start start today's episode? Give give folks um, an idea for how did you get into the space, man? How did you get into this whole background? What were some of the things that you were doing early in your career that led for you to even find this whole opportunity or this whole space that we focus on and, and, and building a company like Help Scout? Yeah, I've always been obsessed with great customer experiences uh, across all sorts of different industries, not just in tech. Uh, because when you when you get a customer experience right, it builds trust, it makes people really happy, and it helps your business grow. Uh, and particularly as someone, I've been starting companies since I was fifteen. Nice. Uh, that's just how I learn new things. And so for somebody that's intimately familiar with small business values and what, what it really means to grow a business and what it means to deliver that great customer experience, man, uh, it's just so important to me. And, and I, I look at support particularly as the rising tide that lifts all ships. Definitely. You know, it, it helps you earn more customers. It helps you build better products. It helps you uh, get more data uh, to inform all sorts of aspects of the team. So, uh, you know, I, I met one of my co-founders waiting tables. That's okay, probably nice. where a little bit of my customer experience chops come <laughs> hey, from. That's a, that's a fantastic place to start, by the way. With service, hospitality, you learn so much yeah. about taking care of a customer or paying attention to what a customer needs. 
so much. And, and all three of the co-founders have spent years waiting tables. Nice. Uh, so we, we understand that. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, as we, we all kind of got into tech and, and started Help Scout about 10 years ago, like this is the company I wanted to build for the rest of my life. This was Sweet. not, I'm, I don't consider myself a serial entrepreneur. Like this is the problem set I want to spend the rest of my career on. And so with Help Scout, you know, our mission is to build a platform that really embraces all of the elements of a great customer experience and allows you to deliver that personal touch at scale. And because we know that small businesses, particularly businesses up to 500 employees, really think about that customer experience differently. And yeah. we wanted to build a platform for them. That's awesome, man. So, okay, first of all, a couple, couple quick questions. You said starting businesses at the age of 15. Give us like, what are one or two of those businesses? Just give, give us a sense for what, what were some of the early Nick Francis business decisions? Yeah, the first business I started was a car detailing business. Oh, nice. That's a good uh, one. Because I've always been into cars, classic, like I have a six-year-old mind when it comes to cars. I just love <laughs> the noise they make and I like how they look and all that cool nice. stuff. Yeah. So yeah. when I was 15, I'm like about to get my permit and I'm like, well, what's the best way for me to get access to cool cars? And That's so it. I taught myself how to detail. Uh, and still to this day, every weekend, I, I, I try to detail the car. So it's still something that I spend a lot of time on. It's something I really enjoy. But uh, yeah, that was my first business. My dad helped me set it up and uh, I ran it for a few years. And, and that was kind of my, my side, side hustle as I was going to school. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, the second question I have out of the gates, you mentioned you and some of your co-founders waiting and being in hospitality and serving customers. Um <clears throat> At what point did you guys start having some of these initial conversations, thoughts, or ideas around, hey, maybe we could build something, or maybe there could be a piece of software, or maybe we could even just maybe service. I know a lot of time, a lot of people forget, software start with people thinking about services or projects or ways that they can solve problems, and then many years later become software. But what were some of those, do you remember some of the early conversations that you and your founders had that started to kind of plant seeds to what, yeah. what, what helps got would turn into you? Yeah. So I've been work married to my two co-founders for 17 years. Uh, that's a good long, so, that's a good long work marriage. right? Yeah. There. So we worked together for six years before we founded Help Scout and we were doing a lot of what you just mentioned. We were consulting, building websites. Frankly, we were just learning the craft of yeah. building websites and building things for the web that could operate at scale. So as we did client work, I mentioned that I start businesses to learn things. That was one of the businesses I started to learn cool. the craft. Yeah. And then- yeah. I think very early on, the three of us said, hey, the dream is to build software and to build a business that we can continue to iterate on for a long period of time. And so we, we did a couple of side projects. Uh, one of them really took off. Uh, we had over 250,000 active users. It didn't make a Whoa. ton of money, but it was like, hey, we started to run into some interesting customer support challenges. Yeah. And so over the course of a couple of years, I spent a lot of time looking at the space. I spent a lot of time frustrated setting up other tools that yep. were available at the time. And I'm like, man, I, we just need a way for the three of us to share an inbox. I don't want the customer to log into a portal. I don't want them to know about a ticket number. I don't want any yep. of that. Yep. I just want to provide the most personal experience, but on the back end, deliver that at scale and, and make it easy for people to collaborate. And so it was very much a challenge born out of our own uh, you know, business uh, stuff that we were going through at the time. And so eventually I just sat down at the lunch table and I said, guys, I think we should quit the client business. We should take six months off and try to build this, uh, try to build Help Scout together. 
And uh, that's what we did. We started building pretty quickly. My co-founders were very compliant in that sense. They they go along <laughs> with my wild ideas. Yeah, right. That's uh, good. Yeah, that was pretty much the start of it. I, I think it's awesome. I think selfishly, obviously, for um, you know myself, what we're trying to build with CXC, you uh, that when you told me this part of the story the, the other week when we were catching up with each other, it was inspiring because I think you don't. There's not often people that kind of stop and remind you and say, "Hey, remember, like, there's sometimes you need to actually do." the application, the implementation, the socialization, you have to figure out how the hell to get a company filled with people to do things. Those are building blocks right there. You know, those are the building blocks that over time, if you keep working it or figuring out different ways of solving these problems for different customers, different clients, different accounts, you do eventually evolve that thing and those learnings and those findings into something way better and something way more scalable and something way more, um, just 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 authentic to how you can help many customers not just a handful of awesome accounts or awesome customers but tons of people like say for for example the house got 12 you know thousands and thousands of accounts so that's super cool nick um nick i'd love for you to jump into the first cx pillar of team man talk about the help scout team i'd love to hear how you guys have built the team um and some of the different components or the ways that you've kind of laid out the team on the pitch yeah so we've always been very intentional about the team We've been remote first from day one, so not many companies nice. have been remote first for more than a decade. Uh, we are one of those companies. Huge advantage, right? Yeah, and and a lot of people ask why we made that decision at that point in time, and for me, it was pretty easy. I just wanted to bet on talent over geography. Uh, <laughs> why would I want to hire people within a twenty mile radius when you can make some trade offs and actually hire people on the planet Earth? I totally. think that. The talent uh, opportunity, if we if we expand that radius, uh, is much more exciting. And so, you know, I'm trying to build a company where people can do their best work and they're excited about the people that they work with. So for me, it's like I want to work with the best people I can find. Uh, and so that's why we became a remote company from the very beginning. And I think a lot of those principles and a lot of that logic has really played out over the last decade. And we're really Big proud time. of where the team has landed. Now we're about 160 people and really excited about the team that we've built and the remote culture that we've created. It's, it's very, I'd say it actually gets a little easier at scale uh, to manage a remote culture than a co-located one for a lot of reasons. So, um, and then we could talk, you know, all you want about our, our particular support function, but we've always put customer support team on a pedestal at Help Scout in a really positive way. I mean, these are the foremost experts on your product in your company. Yep. And if you don't treat them that way and elevate them in such a way that they can have a real impact on the business, then you're just missing out on this unbelievable resource. And so we've always had such tremendous value for the customer support function particularly. Yeah, I think that is uh, entirely correct. And I think a couple of things, number one, just the, the ability to build a team across the planet, man, talk about, you guys were obviously fully prepared for when the world was, you know, overcome by, 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 by the wonderful COVID that we've all dealt with the last two years. So you guys were already way ahead there, but there's something else really interesting about keeping tabs on. If you've got a global team with your type of product, with the help scout product, you, going back to what you said early in the, in the start of the show, but like SMBs are different in different geographies. Small businesses operate differently in different countries. There's different cultural norms. There's different uh, work related norms. So having a team that's sort of, by design and strategically spread and they kind of have a little bit of a pulse for how things happen in different parts of the world major major advantage for you, for you guys early on but then the other piece too is just like this i don't know it's I, I know that covid made everybody kind of think about this a lot more but 
the remote work management piece, it really truly does allow for your talent pool to be so much broader, right? You're not, you're not building just in the New York City, you're just inside of a Buffalo or just inside of a San Francisco, but rather everywhere, right? And I think that's, that's huge. The other thing too, I imagine you guys probably had some early benefits of having customers across the planet. It's also nice to have people that yeah. can kind of cover things in different time zones at different parts of the day. That's a huge advantage when you're growing a business. Yeah, on, on both sides. So about 40% of our customers are outside of the US. Okay. And so uh, we have a large group of folks from, from all over the world, I think 140 plus countries. Wow. So having those perspectives sort of built in and that feedback built into the product from day one has been really important. And then, like you mentioned, having time zone coverage, pretty much 24-6 coverage from very early on in the business because we were intentional about the way that we built our support function and make, tried to make sure that we had enough coverage across the board. So we have folks in Hawaii, Australia, Europe, and, the, and North America so that we're able to provide the best possible experience for our customers in that sense as well. That's awesome. And Nick, one last thing, man. Um, when you talked about putting the support team and the support department, the support function on a pedestal, um, I was actually catching up with a, a friend of mine the other day who's one of your customers, by the way. And he told me a cool story. And I didn't even tell you I was going to say this, but he said that um, uh, early on in his onboarding, he was messaging with Help Scout one day. And he was talking with none other than Nick Francis on support. So, so he, <laughs> he was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta tell Nick this because he's like, I remember telling him, he's like, dude, this is pretty cool that, you know, even with the size of the business and the coverage you guys have in this huge, amazing customer portfolio, that you still have someone like you coming using the product, being on the front line. And I, and you are right where we both know that there's not enough executives out there in the world that just from, I'm not saying every damn day, but like from time to time, go to the front line, Listen to what your customers are, are, are saying, see how your agents have to actually manage a ticket or manage a ticket process or workflow, see how everything works with your different contexts or context switching, and, 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 and then be prepared to help with the prioritization, the support, and the additional resources that are needed to make your team be able to do an even better job so that you can keep growing the business and creating more fans and just building, a, building an environment that's actually a fun place to be a part of, right? Yeah, well, that's a that's a super fun part of my job, and I wish I could do it more these days. But you know, for someone who considers themselves a, a builder and somebody that's still pretty active in the products that we're building for our customers, I don't feel like I'm smart enough to build a product without dog fooding it and without it being putting my you know putting myself in the shoes of our customers and trying to finish their sentences. So yeah. for as long as I'm involved in the roadmap and actually building for our customers, then I want to be living in their shoes as well. So uh, we ask everybody at Help Scout uh, to do support shifts. And I try to lead by example. And frankly, I just love it. I love using our product, even though I might get frustrated with certain things I want to make better. <laughs> uh, I still love it. And it's really great data. I was going to say, wait a minute, what's the week like, uh, what's the week like after Nick is on customer support at Help Scout? I bet you there's a, a laundry list of ideas and suggestions for improvement. Yeah, I'm always pinging people uh, when I'm, everybody <laughs> knows when I'm on support ship. Oh boy, Nick's way. on support this week. <laughs> right. Um, Nick, I'd love for you to jump into the second CX pillar of tools. So number one, de definitely be, 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 be um, totally open to share some of the things that you're doing with your tool. But I'd love to also understand how the Help Scout team had to think about constructing and building out its own toolkit as you guys scaled, as you grew, as you brought on more and more customers, spend a few minutes kind of talking about some of the technology or the solutions that allowed you guys to get to where you are today. 
Yeah. So uh, in terms of the uh, overall just customer facing infrastructure, we really do try to dog food every aspect of our product. So uh, now we even have some in-app messaging features and so on and so forth that that help us do even outbound sort of product marketing, uh, customer yep. lifecycle stuff and customer success. So we, we try to dog food every every part of our plat- platform. And I'd say that the second big tool that's become really critical for us uh, is just that data infrastructure. So a lot of our business yeah. revolves around Looker. Uh, we adopted okay. Looker several years ago and we pipe everything into yeah. that tool. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, a lot of the customer support insights that we're getting beyond our own built-in reports, when we combine them with all the other all sorts of other sources of data in the business, uh, a lot of that takes place in Looker. So everybody, as far as I'm aware, pretty much everybody in our company has access to Looker and uh, can run all sorts of queries on that data. So that's really important to us. Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of sort of communication infrastructure, but we don't use anything that's that's wildly different from the status quo. I mean, life revolves around Zoom and Slack and uh, Dropbox sure. Paper for us. We don't use Google Docs as much. We use Dropbox okay. Paper. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then we use a, a tool called pitch for a lot of our presentations that we really love too. So, um, communication infrastructure is so important, particularly the async tools in a remote team. So those are the ones that I think about first and foremost. Uh, but from a customer facing standpoint, I'd say the only other tool we use as customer facing would be HubSpot okay. uh, for a lot of our email marketing and our newsletters. Cause we, we invested big from day one and, and t- still to this day in content marketing and creating uh, wonderful content that resonates with, with our uh, ideal customers. And so uh, most of that revolves around HubSpot. That's awesome. So awesome. Uh, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And second of all, um, just a couple of immediate ideas that come to, to come to mind is like, you know, for our listeners, it, it's, we hear all these different tools, but I think what's what's kind of awesome about what you just laid out for us, Nick, is like it is important to call out that every business, every industry, every team type, it does have its own unique set of needs. It's got its own unique set of preferences and appetite for what they kind of want to see in front of them. But um, I think it's it, it's important that you know our, our, our listeners are just thinking about there isn't any like right fit or right tool. You you and your team have to do the hard work of by listening to customers by constantly thinking about how you can optimize your product, figure out which tools or which short list of tools are going to best support whatever your mission is, you know, as, as, as you're building that toolkit. I do want to ask you though, Nick, from all the, all the years that you've been building the team, if you had to kind of give one piece of advice to our listeners who are like many of these folks are CX and CX VPs, directors, managers, what would be like the one or two things that you would tell them is they're thinking about building out their own toolkit or is they're thinking about building out their own tool stack for their CX and their CS functions? What would be like the one piece of advice that you've learned from your from your travels and your journeys over the years? Yeah, I, I would be very clear about establishing what the problem or challenge is that you're trying to solve and be as, as specific as you can about that. Particularly in custom, customer support, you probably see this. Like a lot of the vendors in customer service want to sell you everything under the sun. They want to pretend that omni-channel is actually the the future of your life being uh, in your company being ultimately successful, even though all of the research says the fewer channels, the better the experience is for your customer. So uh, I would just be really clear about your requirements. If, If you're not careful, particularly buying customer support tools, but this goes for other tools as well, you just end up with a laundry list of things you may need 
Yeah. And you can, you can end up buying and paying for a product you're only using 10 or 20% of, uh, which, which creates a tremendous burden for the organization. So it's okay to, if you outgrow a product, we've had customers outgrow us, you know, Slack grew with us and vision grew with us. Figma grew with us. There's a lot of companies that grew with us and then outgrew us. And we, we cheer them on, but I think they would all tell you it was the right move for them to adopt help scout as their business grew and scaled to a certain point. And I think that's really important for people to keep in mind. You don't need all of the things and all of the features uh, to solve maybe one or two really key problems that you want to solve in the business. So just be really clear in your needs assessment as to what your business needs and try not to put too much weight on what you might need later on down the line. I'd see a lot of buyers sort of overemphasize well, maybe I will need 15 different channels to communicate with my customers. You actually won't. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can tell you right. that one for a fact. Absolutely. So that's awesome advice. I um you're right. There's not enough customer focused business leaders out there that just get up loud and proud and say, there are different tranches or stages of evolution that every company goes through. And the reality is there is absolutely better menus of of SaaS solutions that fit those different trade, uh, those different phases or those or those different growth cycles. And I know it's easy for most executives to confidently say, well, let's just go with best in class. We'll go with best in class and that way everybody's safe and then we can scale into it and grow into it. And I'll tell you from, from a guy who spent the last 15 years working in venture capital backed startups, that's false, man. There's definitely yeah. certain tools that are way better for certain times of the growth. Like I obviously we spent a ton of time on this show talking about like the bonfire phase of a business where you're trying to just get the wood together, get the people around the fire, get some attention, some attraction, get the damn thing started. That's always the, the hardest part. Right. The tools that are required for that are wildly different than when you've got a, a full-blown furnace going to fuel an entire factory. That's a different set of mechanics. It's a different set of, of plumbing and electrical that's required. And I just wish more people made it, made it okay to talk about that there is going to be different graduation stages and there's going to be at different points of a business's growth and evolution, there's going to be adjustments that you'll make with different te- with different tools along the way. And it's funny. So I, I think it's something that our listeners should be thinking about and should be talking about with their teammates and with their, with their leadership teams for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we pride ourselves on going from zero to power user in a day. We just want to help you kind of get your bearings and and be able to to help customers, right? There will be a point in your business if it's tremendously successful where it's time for you to move on. Like in our case, it's Zendesk and Salesforce. Those are excellent products for enterprise scale and enterprise level businesses, but the overhead required to implement those tools is is through the roof, roof, right? So adopt a tool that you can grow and scale with over a long period of time. And then once you're, once you're ready, you can graduate to another tool, but you know uh, what is the stat that, that we love to talk about? It's, you know, any company that closes with 10 users or more with us actually uses help scout for more than four years. Wow! So you've got a long runway when you adopt these tools to like, you don't, you're not going to graduate next year. I can just yeah. tell you that, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. a good tool will, will run with you a lot longer than you might think. I think that is so super, super awesome call out there. And the other thing too, is you're right. It's like, there's almost like there should be a rating on every piece of software solution that talks about uh, adoption and utilization, right? Like what's your adoption and utilization internal rate, i.e. how fast can you get your people, your team using a tool exceptionally well to make your customers freaking thrilled about what, what you're delivering to them or what you're serving for them. So all awesome points there, Nick. Nick, I'd love to dive into the third CX pillar process. So 
we started to hit on some of this in our tool section, but I'd love to just hear kind of how you and the team um, thought about how to manage all of the knowledge, all the information, all the things we were learning. Obviously, every time you bring a new customer on, you, you learn a hundred different things. How did you guys kind of manage your playbooks or manage your your SOPs or some of the ways that you would keep this this information in a way that the whole team and maybe even the customer base could consume that information or could consume some of the things that you guys were learning and finding on a daily basis? You know, part of it from a leadership standpoint is about hiring great leaders and putting them in a position to be successful, right? Uh, you don't want to overburden their focus like so that they just have zero time to really think about scaling the business and scaling the team. We yep. were lucky to hire, I think, the best in the business, uh, Abigail, who runs our customer support function. And she's always got a mind towards, and, and remote companies sort of have this kind of going for them where everything in your company has to be documented very yeah. clearly <laughs> and very intentionally, right? So yeah. we already have this built in, but people like Abigail just have a superpower for writing down the way that everything operates and their new employee onboarding and training is bar none best in the company. Mm -hmm. uh, she's done a wonderful job just kind of articulating and she's got one manager on her team that's responsible for maintaining all of the, like getting people onboarded and making them experts in the product in less than 90 days, wow. like there's the whole first 90 days training program. But then there's all of the standard ways that we operate as a company. And then We've also, and we could talk a little bit about this later, but we've also segmented the team in, in different ways where we've actually embedded our support team on our product teams okay, um, so that they just have this immense product level knowledge. And so I think that adds a lot of value back to the support team. Absolutely. And you've got people embedded in every product area that are experts that can, that can help you up the learning curve if you need to be, or make sure that the proper documentation is in place. We also do have a full-time person on, on documentation period, Okay, just uh, writing down these things. And so I think it's from a, from an organizational leadership standpoint, it's just about giving the team the space to run at yeah. these things so that they understand their job is not just talking with customers. It's building out the infrastructure for us to grow the business over a long period of time and still maintain that same level of service. I love that, man. And, and if, if, if people are doing that really, really well, you're literally listening to what the customer thinks is brilliant and fantastic, and awesome. And they buy it a thousand more times and then they're listening to learning and, and hearing the stuff where they literally want to strangle you and they want to churn tomorrow. And, and where I'm just, you know, and if you can take that level of support or that level of frontline uh, knowledge, information, feelings too, man, that's the other thing, right? Because people forget frontline staff, they don't just have that one phone call once. Sometimes they're doing it 10 times a day, or sometimes they're doing that ticket or that, or that chat flow 10 times a day, 20 times, 50 times a day. So like, it's not just that they're having these one-offs. They're literally doing it every single solitary day. And there's, they're, they're arguably the experts at immediately identifying trends and potential um, repeatable patterns before anybody on the analytics team could show it to us because they already know. They're, or here's another way of thinking about it. When you start building out some of your reporting, you start seeing the way that you can visualize this data or visualize some of these, these, these touch points that are happening bring some of those people into, into the view and ask them about what they think from a day where you bang out a hundred tickets, because you're probably yeah. already, you probably already hear things or, you know, things that other people don't see as clearly. So I love, I love that you guys were thinking about that. One other thought, the content part, the, the scribing part, I'm sorry, the scribing part. So 
it still amazes me two years into the pandemic. I think some companies do a brilliant job with this. It sounds like you and Abigail and the team are, are one of them that are really thinking about this, but it's still amazing to me how many companies after the last two years haven't taken the time to invest in either doing their living playbooks, their remote work management content, um, you know, systems, even investing in LMSs or knowledge-based solutions that allow an organization where everybody's spread, spread apart to just go to a place and get the wealth of knowledge or the confluence. And I don't know, I just think it's something for our listeners to think about where if you're not doing that in your business, that is such an easy place to start. The other thing too, like Nick suggested with Abigail, every business has eight players that are salivating and just waiting to be asked to take a project like that on where they can grab all of this information, socialize it, maybe do a little bit of homework across different teams and departments and get some of your executive sponsors or some of your other leadership involved and kind of behind you, because it really is an easy thing to do. And the other thing too, it's amazing the the learnings, the findings, and the opportunities that come from that exercise. Yeah. For a lot of folks that love being in the queue, love talking with customers, it can be difficult. So Abigail, we hired her as a full-time customer support person, right? And she's sort of, now she leads the team, but it can be difficult to not be in that mode where you're talking to customers and getting things done. And instead you're thinking about the long-term and you're creating leverage across the team by documenting playbooks. Sometimes that that feedback loop is a little bit different than the one you get talking directly to customers. And yeah. so it's it's important to make sure that your team can step back. And like, I think that uh, we make sure at least uh, that everybody on our team has at least a day to work on some other things in the business. Nice. Yeah, uh, Because man, it can be so tough. You were just talking about the repetition. I mean, talking with customers and, and doing that job can be tremendously stressful and difficult. Totally. Yeah. So uh, giving people the space to maybe one day a week work on a different kind of project where you're helping document that playbook or you're, you're creating leverage in the business that's not directly facing customers, right? I think that's a really important practice to instill. So, uh, and, and then generally just the last two years has been sort of the honeymoon period for companies that decided they, that they would go remote first or, or at least be remote friendly. And, you know, over time, uh, if they haven't created those playbooks, there's gonna be a lot of challenges uh, that, that come up for those businesses. And generally those businesses are, are gonna be the ones where there's not complete buy-in at the top. And yeah. those will probably, they'll probably return back to work as soon as it's possible. That's a, a great point. It's a great point. And it amazes me too, how some of these companies that, 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 that maybe aren't doing the best job with it, they still have to end up investing in their technical content curation anyway. You still need to have a bunch of smart people that are literally writing and making all of the different processes, the systems, the workflows, the steps that go into using a product, using a tool, getting really good at the adoption and utilization that we talked about. And you've got these brilliant people that are literally sitting here listening to the, the even if it's just the Pareto, Nick, right? Even if it's like the 20% of the things that 80% of the time are happening and you could have all of these fantastic, um, you know, playbook entries that are ready to help your team, your business and your customer base grow into the future. So all, all great ideas. Nick, I'd love to dive into the, the fourth and the final CX pillar of feedback. And I'm excited about this one because I, I, I think I'd love for you to spend a minute or two talking about the way that you and the team have kind of leveraged customer feedback, but then I definitely want to hear the way that you and the team have leveraged your employee feedback. Yeah, we are, we're big on this. <laughs> uh, so from a customer feedback standpoint, there's a few different ways that we try to hear the voice of the customer. Um, one is a, a monthly. So one of the challenges that I've noticed, like at various points in, in time in our business, 
we've sort of over-rotated on what our current customers need rather than what the go-to-market sort of is demanding. Like what are the customers that we're losing need? Yep. Uh, and so creating a venue where not only we're hearing what the market needs, but we are making sure that our customer support function, the people that are on the front lines talking with folks every day are aware of what the, what are, what the customers were losing uh, need yeah. in the market as well. Cause really they're hearing from our current customers all loud and clear, <laughs> right? They're getting a lot of requests from current customers. And if they're not aware of the broader view of what we need to compete in the market and gain market share, then it's so easy for them to get frustrated. So easy to get frustrated. Why aren't they working on the things that I hear every day yeah. from yeah. this group of customers? So give Give the support team, but one way I uh, we talk about elevating them, one way to do so is that give them access to the broad range of feedback that's coming in across the business. Customer support's only one input. We're getting it from sales. We're getting it from marketing. We're getting it from other stakeholders in the company as well. And so there's a monthly customer experience sync that has all those stakeholders in the room. Every single department puts together a document that's like a pre-read for the meeting. And we get a good sense of what's the pulse across each and every one of those. And then our customer or uh, experience org leader who leads product design and engineering, uh, she walks through each of those documents and then talks more about the roadmap. And just everybody has, at least our goal is to give everybody a full picture view of uh, what we need to be successful as a company. And that's that's just a big part of it. Uh, and then I mentioned this, the second piece for us that's really important uh, from a feedback standpoint is yeah, making sure that uh, we have people embedded on our product teams. Yeah, uh, like taking that. feedback from customers. Yeah, so every one of our product teams has an embedded person that actually reports up through the support function. Uh, and they'll take on the really advanced triage type stuff, uh, yep. but they're also working hand in hand with the product product manager to create products that, that we know are going to land with our customer base. So truly we have support embedded in the development, the discovery and development process as well, uh, which, which really uh, creates a beautiful feedback loop among the team. So uh, if, if a uh, support team is like, why is this thing not being built? Uh, they can go straight to the product expert associated with that. And that person will give them the full context and say, Hey, we're working on it, but this is a, this is a really challenging thing. It's going to take a few more months, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, it's, it's a couple of, so all fantastic ideas. Um, two things. Number one, I think to your first point on the customer feedback side, going back to that voice of customer comment that you made, it, it's funny, Nick, right? Like, you can absolutely build an MVP model of this into any business immediately, right? So you start by just understanding who are a handful of SMEs in my business. Maybe it's one, one person from marketing, one person from sales, one person from ops or customer service, customer support, one person from analytics. And you mentioned like the keeping the pulse, right? So pulse or a drumbeat of the business, but to do it really well, you do need that cross-functional expertise being able to, it's almost, it's not like keeping each other in check. It's actually more about like cross-pollinating and educating. Hey, like yeah, we preventing silos of information, right? Like just 100%. making sure everybody's working on the same info. Big time. That's such an easy place to start. The other thing that you made me think about was you mentioned with, with, with Help Scout, this idea of customer feedback digests or, or customer feedback reporting. Every company's got a different, you know, vernacular for it, but like that's another easy thing to start with. Just have the sales leader 
come up with a top 10 things you're hearing about this month in sales. Marketing, do the same. Support, do the same. And again, socialize it across the business. It could be, it could be in your monthly newsletter. It could be during your monthly all, all hands. I love the idea of how you guys, you have each one of the leaders kind of step up and kind of broadcast that to the business. I personally think that's the best way to do it because then you get everybody involved. And then it is, it truly does become a C, uh, CX easy team sport at that point. Um, the other thing that I, I want to jump to when you mentioned in the employee feedback part was just the product and the support being connected. Nothing is better at every single one of the businesses I've been a part of building. And I've had the pleasure of, the, of working on these teams with nothing was better than when we, when we had some of our engineer and developer friends sitting next to us, listening to certain questions, watching us complete or resolve certain tickets. And then you just mentioned that the, the, the educational piece, but like not everybody knows what's a complex, super detailed technical ask versus something that somebody can go bang out for you in 10 minutes. And the more you can kind of bring your support or your experience or your success team into those conversations, you're bringing people who don't have that high of technical acumen into a place where they start to understand those things. And then they can actually start to bring that type of talk or that type of speech or that type of voice right back to your customer. Because then it's not just a, no, I can't do it. It's a, no, we're, we, we can't do it right now, but we're actually working on it. And we know that in X number of months, we're going to actually have it on the roadmap. So I'm going to call you back in 30 days and tell you when it's done. That's awesome experience, right? But a company can't do that unless it's doing that cross-pollination and, and sharing those different expertise areas. So I think it's awesome that you guys are doing that. Yeah, a lot of these practices around communicating with, with the team and different stakeholders are not only great for customers, but they're great for employee engagement, Big right? Time. They're great for helping our customer support folks kind of see the big picture of the business and feel like they're uh, part of a, they're, they're able to have an impact in that part of yep. the business, but yep. they're not, uh, they don't feel like the feedback that they're presenting is just lost, right? Yeah. They, they, yeah. they, they can actually see it being shared with other stakeholders in the business. And that results in a, a much more highly engaged support function and team. Yep. Absolutely. Nick, this has been absolutely uh, fantastic, sir. Before we wrap up, um, anything that you want to shout out to, uh, to our listeners about some of the things that uh, you and the Help Scout team are working on. Um, and then most importantly, where can people find out more about you and where can people learn more about how they can find out what Help Scout could do for their business? Yeah. So helpscout.com is pretty easy uh, to, to explore our platform. We'd love to have you. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, I'm at, at Nick Francis on Twitter. Uh, always love to engage with folks there as well. And then we're really proud of the content marketing that we do. So if you're if you're in the customer experience world, I guarantee you you'd benefit from the newsletter that we put out every week. We've got like almost 250,000 people on this newsletter that uh, one of our teammates, his name is Pato, uh, he, he works on every week and it's phenomenal. Really, really wonderful content. Uh, we're not selling. It's all, it's all just content for customer support professionals. Uh, so I'd encourage you to engage with, with that as well. And we just launched a publication last year called In the Works that's all about growing businesses and founders uh, that aren't having their stories told in TechCrunch and so on uh, that are really doing phenomenal things. And so uh, any founders and entrepreneurs in the, in the house, we'd love to, to see you engage within the works as well. It's a very cool publication. I love it. Well, Nick, it's been awesome having you on the show, man. Keep up the, the fantastic work with you and the team at Help Scout. And I will look forward to chatting with you again in the near future, my friend. Thanks again, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation 
tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality and being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.